Counting calories is out. Weight loss is an internal game, what I like to call weight release, and it all starts from within. You're listening to Confidence From Within, a podcast for women ready to feel good about their bodies, rediscover their confidence, and share their brilliance with the world. I am your host, Juliana Lehman, mind-body weight release expert and lifelong health seeker. And I am so pleased to have you here. Let's get started. You're listening to episode number 88 of Confidence From Within podcast. And as always, I am your host, Juliana Lehman. And my special guest today is Liz Medford. And she came on the show to talk about unperfectionism, which is a very interesting topic. And we talked about specifically the difference between perfection and imperfection and how unperfectionism fits that gap and brings a very different take to the whole world of perfection and the concept I consider myself a quotations recovering perfectionist and over the years I really have changed how I look at the term, how I look at striving versus trying to achieve something unachievable such as perfectionism. So her opinion on the topic is very interesting and I do believe you will really enjoy, especially if you're somebody on a weight release journey looking to feel more confident. So let me give you a proper introduction for Liz. Liz Medford is a mindset coach, business strategist, and founder of unperfectionism.com and the Badass Business Bootcamp. She helps female entrepreneurs launch and grow their business to a full-time income without getting stuck in perfectionism, procrastination, and overwhelm. Liz is a certified professional coactive coach and a certified positive intelligence coach, as well as a practitioner of IFS, Internal Family System Parts Work. She studied all of these coaching models to let go of her own perfectionism, and now she helps her clients do the same. Here is Liz. Welcome, Liz. Welcome to our show today. Thank you so much, Juliana. Very excited for our conversation, and I know it's going to be a big perspective shift. And I love those topics that makes us think and reconsider things that we may known for most of our lives, right? That we don't even know could actually be, you know, causing some trouble and dictating our decisions and how we feel about ourselves. So this is going to be a, a very awesome conversation. And, yeah, to get us, <laughs> and to get us started, define for us in your perspective, what does confidence mean to you? Oh, gosh. I think confidence is just being comfortable with who you are, um, you know, outside and in and wow. loving yourself for who you are, accepting all the things that are amazing and special about you and, you know, all of your quirks and all of the things because yeah. it's all what makes you um, an amazing person and unique. And that's that's where real confidence comes from. Yeah, I love that. And it's so true. And we all have 
all the traits. We all have all the parts, right? But for yeah. some reason, you know, and I think it kind of relates very well to, you know, as a nice segue to what we're talking today. But for some reason, there's parts or pieces of eyes, either physical or personality wise, that we just feel it should be different, that it's not good enough, that it doesn't measure up, right? And the topic today being your concept of unperfectionism, I think taps into that so beautifully. So mm-hmm. to get us going, and of course, I'm going to ask you to define it, uh, what does it mean and so on. So take us through, like, what was your journey getting to the point of looking and saying perfectionism is not, you know, they all, y'all, oh my gosh, the and all of y'all, there is a different way to look at it. Like, what was that journey that took you here? Oh, gosh. Okay. Well, so for me, I think, I mean, my whole life, I was really stuck in a perfectionist mindset. I, in, you know, in school growing up, I always had to get straight A's. I put so much pressure on myself that even like an A minus was a failure to me. Yeah, um, me too. You know, yeah, right. And so many, I mean, so many kids out there, um, you know, certainly with, I mean, with my body and especially what women are exposed to in the media with what our bodies yeah. are supposed to look like and what, you know, what the ideal is there. Um, the, you know, I was always putting pressure on myself to, you know, to look a certain way and, um, yeah, and accomplish certain things in life. And it, just all of that over time. <laughs> I mean, that that kind of pressure when you're constantly having those unrealistic expectations for yourself and putting that kind of pressure on yourself um, that you cannot ever fail or it means that you're bad. I mean, it just create it creates so much shame when there's even anything less than yeah. um, than perfection, any, you know, um, mistake, failure, anything like that. And so for me, it caused a lot of mental health issues, you mm-hmm. know, and mm-hmm. anxiety and depression and things like that, because um, if something didn't go exactly the way that I wanted it to go, I had this, of course, really nasty inner critic judging part that would just beat me up and tell me that, um, yeah. you know, that that I was bad. I mean, that's, you know, that's what shame is. I mean, yeah, the, the, the thought that like, I, I am a bad person. So yeah, so it, it took me a long time in my journey when um, my mental health got to the point that I really had to, um, that I really had to face it. And I really started to, you know, get help and get treatment and look at some of the underlying causes uh, that I realized that perfectionism was at the root of uh, for me of, of my mental health crisis and that it was really, um, you know, the shift in mindset that was going to be, you know, be the thing to help me actually live like a happy yeah. and fulfilling life and to yeah. have that confidence and to feel good about myself for who, um, for who I am and to not feel like I had to be flawless to be, to be liked and to be loved. Um, cause I mean, really what it comes down to is, you know, the, the perfectionist parts of us are trying to protect us from the yep. shame and from the negative emotions and, uh, from that fear of, of not being good enough. And they just do it in a very extreme way. Oh, I resonate so much with what it, everything you just said. And I think it's actually like it, you could have been telling my story <laughs> in a way, oh, wow. uh, which I know you didn't know before <laughs> we started no. this, uh, this conversation just for the listeners. But yeah, like, and 
even going back, like, cause I, I thought about this so much before as well. And when you talk about like acing in schooling and grades and all those things, and I look back at my academical life and my upbringing and nobody, not even my mom and dad ever put pressure on me for that. It was a very internal, I was, it was between me, myself and I, you know, the crazy amount of pressure and the expectations. I don't even know, to be honest, where it came from besides this inner drive that I have mm-hmm. very much, like you said, right. And I fast forward and very much like very similar, you know, consequences, right. Of that pursuit of perfectionism for many, many, many years. And I fast forward now, like, and I talked to my husband about this, not too, too long ago. And he's the one person in my life who've been together for 15 years that he has seen the most unedited version of me, the most unedited blueprint <laughs> to who I am with all the sharp corners and the sweet sides. <laughs> and, and he loves all those parts, right? So I asked him, like, why is it that I don't love all those parts? And you do. And he says, just try to look at yourself from the eyes that I look at you, right? And that oh. was one of the things that really kind of hit me. It's like, oh, okay. You know, and no, I haven't necessarily mastered that fully. I think it's part of the life journey that we're all on, right? But it was such an interesting contrast seeing that, you know, all parts of you actually are very lovable and equally accepted, but it's that internal critic, like you said, that causes so much chaos and emotional distress in inside of us, right? Um, sorry, that was absolutely a big, <laughs> just came out of me. Um, but with that in mind, like from your experience and the work you do, what do you think is that driver, that inner driver for perfectionism that some and many women have inside of us? Oh, like what's the root or what's causing it? Yeah. Um, so I've, I mean, I've heard and researched different theories on kind of where this perfectionism thing comes from. And, you know, so, I mean, what I'm saying is kind of based on my personal opinion, based on, you know, some of the things that I've read, I don't think anybody knows for sure. (laughs) Yes. Um, but you know, maybe a kind of a combination of nature and nurture, I think, you Mm, know, I think, I think we're all born with certain personality traits or, you know, genetics that might lend towards certain personality traits. So I think that there could be a piece of it, you know, that is yeah. just there, there from birth. And uh, um, I, I've also heard theories that, you know, some of this more negative aspect of it. So, you know, and, and the piece that's there from birth, I would say, is probably more of like, like just the striving for excellence, the attention to detail, the, the you know, wanting to do a good job, wanting to mm-hmm. do things well. But what can happen um you know, is that we have experiences in our life growing up where, um, you know, we start to experience fears and other negative emotions. And so some of these parts of us uh, that, you know, that can, can be very beautiful and very useful parts, you know, when they're Mm -hmm. like doing their job well, you know, like the attention to detail or whatever, um, they can take on these extreme roles, um, in order to protect us. And, you know, that, that it's, it can manifest differently in different people, um, depending, just depending on who you are in your situation. And, um, so yeah, you know, it, it could be just from some early experiences where part, a part of us said, oh, wow, well, I felt, I felt, um, you know, 
or maybe somebody judged me and I don't ever want to fear like feel that shame again or yeah. something. And if I never make a mistake, if I do everything perfectly, then, um, you know, then I can protect myself from that judgment, that shame or that mm -hmm. fear of that judgment and shame. So again, yeah. it's just, um, and this is, this is based on my knowledge of the internal family systems model, um, that, yeah, that, that those parts really are there trying to protect us. And, you know, and in, in the IFS model, we have ways to work with those parts to kind of, to kind of get mm -hmm. them back, to help them release that burden of like, like having to take on those extreme roles to protect us so that they can go back to just doing the job of like, oh, okay, dot all the I's and cross all the T's, mm. but without making us feel like shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's such a beautiful answer to this question. I love it. This episode is brought to you by the Wage Release Shift, a program that I am so excited to share with you. And actually more than a program, this is a partnership in which I join forces with you to take you on this incredible journey, which is wage release. Together, we will explore all the necessary mind shifts to get you to places you've never been before, as well as learn what is going on with your hormones, especially as you transition into later phases of being a woman. All of that combined with tasty, healthy, super easy to make foods and recipes to help you balance hormones, eat for your needs, and release excess weight in the process. If you're curious or ready to learn more and join me and all these other wonderful women on this journey, I encourage you to apply at the link below. To learn more, visit naturallyjoyous.ca slash release. And I look forward to chatting with you and getting to know you better. No, that makes complete sense. And even looking like from just like finished, like this, what I was saying, like coming up, like I was raised in Brazil. I lived there for the first 21 years of my life, which means that my formative years were there and the early early part of my university training the first two years were there and just like the amount of competition like it was so unbelievable to get to the top one or two spots no matter what you did that that possibly could be part of that environment in my case right that you're talking about but the one thing that I have realized I think is relevant to what you said is that from my entire memory <laughs> of growing up back there I always knew how to create from pressure and fear right? I've always been the fuel and it was almost like a jet fuel, you know, for many years uh, to the point that I could always push myself, push my body and perform at levels that my husband says it takes three people to do what I do, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and what has happened in the last few years is that I have, you know, through all my health issues and stuff, like life has ways of shifting and opening you, right? To look uh -huh. at things differently. And through a lot of that, I decided, you know, it is time to create from a place of joy and service, right? And it's incredible because it has been probably the hardest thing I've attempted to do in my life. All my previous techniques and pushing methodologies of pushing my body don't work in this new <laughs> way, right? So you have to learn a new way to create. And I think part of it for me has been redefining success 
reframing failure, right? But a very big component of it is really, you know, untangling what the whole perfectionism means to me as well. And understanding, like you said, that, you know, there's an, a great side to it of <laughs> or the organization and detail orientation, yeah. but there's also the other side, right? So let's talk about the other side <laughs> and <laughs> tell us like the whole concept of unperfectionism. Maybe let's start there and define okay. how you see it. And, you know, this new way of thinking that you developed. Okay. So, yeah. So for me, unperfectionism is about really like rejecting the idea of the notion of perfectionism that as something that we need to strive for. So mm -hmm. um, I know you had another guest a while back speaking of perfectionism and her perspective was to try to kind of change the definition of perfect. Yes. Um, and for, for me, that doesn't work personally because just of, I think of all the the baggage that is attached to that concept yeah. and as such a source of, um, of shame. So I, you know, I developed this idea of unperfectionism as a way mm -hmm. to really just reject the idea that we should even be striving for perfection. Yeah. And, and the reason it's a silly made up word <laughs> that mm -hmm. I, the reason I don't use the word imperfect is because to me, imperfect implies, um, it implies like still aiming for that mark and falling short of it and being like, oh, well, it's okay. Like, you know, but, but yeah. there, it's like still implying that the goal is there or that the mm -hmm. standard is there. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so I, I just, I just think that we should, um, erase the standard altogether and, and know that actually what we should be striving for is to be, you know, a healthy human being who tries things, who makes mistakes and who learns from them because that is where the growth is. I mean, yeah. and this is the thing, like when I was striving so hard for so many years to be perfect and to never make mistakes, well, what did that require? Like that required me not to take risks. It required me not to do things that I might not be the best at, you know, yeah. not to take a class where I might I mean, and I actually did this in college, like I would drop a class if early on I, I thought like it was hard and I might not, you know, get an A or something like, yeah. like that's horrible because <laughs> then I wasn't actually learning or growing. So that, you know, that that's the risk in holding mm -hmm. any kind of ideal of perfection. And, you know, when we embrace that growth mindset, which is that we're, we're meant to try things and to, you know, to see how it goes and to learn from it and to pivot and iterate and try something mm -hmm. else in our, you know, in our lives. And that that's, that's part of living and it's part of growth and it's, you know, part of being a healthy human being. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's so much expectation, right. That comes with the whole, the concept that even like when people say, you know, when we talk about failure, right? Let's just say like the class that, you know, you decided not to take because you may not have been an A plus, you know, outcome. Mm -hmm. I think the concept there is that in our brains, anything A minus and below is failure, right? As opposed to, like you said, the joy of learning and trying something new, which, yes. you know, it's so much easier said than done, right? Like I <laughs> do completely know <laughs> what you mean, <laughs> uh, but it's such an important invitation because I think like anytime that we look at things from this very much like expectation side of things, there's such an addiction to pleasure, right? And then we completely run away from quotations paying 
to the point that we are protecting ourselves, preventing ourselves from even living life. And if you go to the gym, like you can't just grow muscle by just drinking protein powders. You have to have the challenge, right? Like muscle grows to challenge. Like challenge is a very important part of growth. And I think that what you just said kind of opens that invitation to it, that it's better to do it imperfectly uh, <laughs> and go through the motions and the process rather than right preventing you know from even living life in general because of fear of taking those risks right does that make sense like the yes yeah yeah absolutely that's wonderful and then the other thing too that I wanted to talk to you about like I know what you said before and I completely agree it's not about you know, changing the standard or in, doing it imperfectly. We see this all the time, like the imperfectly perfect, uh, which I agree, like it's still the target. It's still there. We're just yeah, now yeah. saying, oh, if you don't hit it, that's okay. Like, that's just not it. Like it's about redefining what that target is, right? Um, how can somebody, let's just say myself a few years ago, <laughs> you know, in the core of it, type A personality, striving for all of those things, and then realize that I want to create, co-create my life from a different place, right? To start freeing myself from this like heavy blanket that is the duties of perfectionism. What are some of the first steps for somebody that's just contemplating that this may be a problem for them? Yeah, a great question. Um, so there are a lot of different approaches, you know, and, and some of them are things that are great to do on your own. Some of them are things that are great to work through with a coach or, you know, or, or mm -hmm. maybe even a therapist, depending on the situation. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm really a fan of the, you know, the kind of taking imperfect or unperfect, as I would say, <laughs> yes. action. Because, I mean, you, of course, know, and I'm sure many of your listeners know the connection between our, you know, our thoughts and our emotions and our actions yeah. or behaviors. Yeah. So when we're kind of stuck with something and, and feeling like we um, are afraid to do something or afraid to move forward, I mean, we have a few different options. We can try to change our thoughts around it. You know, there's certainly a lot of different methods that people use to try to have mantras or change their thinking or change their perspective. Um, but a lot of times that's tricky because we're, we're changing the thoughts on the surface, but there are actually deeper parts of us down inside that still mm -hmm. have those fears mm -hmm. and stuff. Yeah. And we're not touching those. Um, we can try to change, you know, control or change our emotions, which, you know, of course can also be um, a challenging thing to do. Yeah. But I think that the fastest way <laughs> to, um, to change things, and, and this is also kind of a tenant of um, acceptance and commitment therapy is, is by actually taking action. Like when we, when we take an mm -hmm. action, even though we might um, have some, you know, fears about it, um, and some thoughts about it. it, when we take the action and actually experience, you know, whatever the result or the benefit is, experience the fact that like the fear or the terrible thing doesn't happen, then that is the fastest way to actually change the th the thoughts and the emotions around mm. it. Um, so yeah, so that's one thing, you know, for, for perfectionists who tend to like procrastinate or avoid things, um, you know, like, I mean, a, a lot of my clients in my programs <laughs> are, you know, the, like they'll hold back because, you know, mm -hmm. waiting, waiting for it to be perfect, waiting to have everything just right. And I'm yeah. always trying to tell them like, look, you know, we, we, I mean, we can do mindset work in, in circles. However, still the, the fastest way 
for you to change your mindset is actually going to be to, you know, to take the action, to do the thing that's scared mm -hmm. me, right? I mean, like, yeah, like the Susan Jeffords book from the 90s, like feel the fear and do it anyway. I mean, it's such a cliche, but it is such a powerful, um, such a powerful thing. Yeah. And actually, I want to touch on that last point specifically, because that what you said is so powerful, first of all. <laughs> And there's a lot of mindset work that's very passive, right? And for, for example, my type of personality, it's not suited. Like I need to feel progress is being made. It's <laughs> part of how I operate. And the taking action, because there is such a, there's energy that goes through it, right? And I love like thinking of emotions as moving energy through, like energy in motion. But specifically the last thing you mentioned I think it's something I really need to highlight because it's so important and it's probably going to, it has probably been one of the biggest things that helped me personally. So it's kind of cool. I brought it up um, because fear and the need of protection have been by far the biggest, I would say emotions that I was raised with because of living in a very dangerous country, uh, all the competition, intellectually speaking that I mentioned and so on. And, and then coming here, not speaking the language, going to university, like I, I had those very big challenges that I had to really step out of my comfort zone many times and fear and protection were the two major, I'll say emotions that I dealt with. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was really making a point of leaning into the discomfort yes. very consciously and yes. feeling it in my body, where it, where it hurts, where it moves, where it shakes and doing it anyways to in baby steps way, train my nervous system that I am safe, even when I'm uncomfortable. Right. Yeah. So I want to mention that because I know you mentioned the, the quote that I think most people heard of, but I think I embodying what you just said, I think is an incredible practice that takes practice, right? <laughs> um, and really like what I do is that I deep breathe and deep breathe and, you know, and really con if a situation presents, right, that it triggers that fear response and lean into it to train the nervous system that you're safe no matter what. And I think it's in combination with taking action could be a very powerful major first step for people oh, wanting yeah. to explore this. Absolutely. And I mean, and I'm, I'm a parts work practitioner with, um, the, both the internal family systems model and the positive intelligence model. And that, that somatic experience of the emotions is such an integral part of it. Like you said, I mean, being able to kind of have that awareness of it, um, yeah. and that often can, can help us. It can be the, the doorway that can help us access and actually understand, um, these, these parts that are coming up. Like we may not, mm -hmm. you know, we may not even, cognitively realize that we're afraid of something, but there may yeah. be something going on in our bodies. And when we can learn to tune into those trailheads and those clues and um, just bring that awareness to them, then it can lead us to like, oh, okay, okay. Part of me is afraid. Um, you know, I wonder what this part is afraid of. I wonder what it's trying to protect me from. Um, and then, yeah. yeah. And, and kind of, kind of work with it that way. That's amazing. And I would love to take that now to uh, like focus a little bit on this whole concept in terms of the weight loss experience, right? That a lot of uh, listeners to the podcast kind of like are interested in. Um, so maybe not so much weight loss, but like dieting, for example, right? So there's a lot of concepts out there that it's either you do it perfectly, 
or it all falls apart the moment that there's little compromises and so on. So how could somebody apply the concept of unperfectionism to building routine and new eating habits or something you're trying to do with the outcome of weight loss or changing how they feel? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. I mean, what comes up for me first is just like taking the shame out of the equation. I mean, when I think of dieting and weight loss and, and even my own journey, you know, I mean, there's just like, if you're, if you're trying to perfectionistically follow a diet or an exercise plan or Mm -hmm. something, then, you know, the minute that you mess up, quote unquote, you know, you eat the cake at the birthday party (laughs) or you skip a workout because you're, you know, exhausted or whatever. It's, it's not the act of doing that thing that ruins anything or that ruins your progress. It's the shame that, you know, that your inner critic and judging parts keep on to you and (laughs) then tell you that, oh, you're no good and you can't do this. And, you know, oh, well, you might as well give up. (laughs) Like for a lot of us, that's a very, very fast slippery slope that we go down. So when you Mm -hmm. can actually just like, um, eliminate the shame piece and, um, you know, I mean, there's, there's a technique called opposite action. That's as part of dialectical behavior therapy, where like, if, if you're, you know, if you notice a part of you that's starting to feel ashamed for, you know, quote unquote, messing something up or doing something wrong, the opposite action of that might be to celebrate it. Like, Oh, like, woohoo. I actually just, you know, I just actually strayed from my diet and had a piece of cake. And like, that's okay. I messed up. That's, you know, or I didn't even mess up. Maybe I enjoyed it. (laughs) And that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't mean that I'm a failure. It means that I'm a human being. And so when you can kind of shift that perspective and just have fun with it and keep, you know, just keep, um, keep that growth mindset of like, Oh, okay. I'm, you know, I'm learning here and this does not have to be a, you know, a perfect diet or a perfect exercise plan or a perfect health plan or whatever it is. It's just me trying to enjoy my life and feel good about myself and be healthy. Exactly. Hey there, are you a woman over 40 who wants to release excess weight, but keep self-sabotaging your progress? If you were tired of all the all you need is more willpower advice then i created just a free training for you set aside 60 minutes today and i promise you it will be worth your time i will go over the three main mindset shifts you need to make if you want to release weight for good which does not rely on willpower I will review to you why the strategies that worked in your 20s and 30s don't seem to work anymore and I will also show you which hormones play a big role in weight release once we turn 40 and beyond. This is a value-packed masterclass and it is for you if you want to discover my step-by-step system to help you regain your energy, get rid of cravings, and get back into alignment with your body. And of course, drop some pounds too. All you have to do is go to naturallyjoyous.ca slash free training to watch this on-demand masterclass or just send me a DM on Instagram for the link at naturally.joyous. So again, it is naturallyjoyous.ca slash free training.
And I think that part is really important because a lot of times when we quotations mess up or fall off the plan and stuff, it's very likely because we're trying to follow a plan that is not in congruence and alignment to what we actually want to do, right? Mm -hmm. If I go somewhere and I don't eat a cake because I don't like cake, it's very different than not eating it because I can't, right? Uh, (laughs) Or I choose not to because I legitimately want to eat something that's healthier for me because I want to feel good or whatever the the reasoning is. And that is important. That's very much like early stages in the work I do is uncovering that real why for the outcome so that we can actually understand why those choices are being made. And if we do choose to eat the cake, you know, for some reason in our minds, there's more advantages of doing so than not, right? So just blaming ourselves for it isn't very productive because <laughs> your body <laughs> is doing its thing. Like it truly is. But I think we have such expectations when it comes to dieting, right? And a lot of those are in positions, things that we should do, you know, as opposed to things that we want to do, that we keep going into the cycle of shaming ourselves and guilting ourselves and so on. So I I really feel that the idea of imperfectionism is very suited for this, you know, phase in a woman's life. But like you said, like doing that reversal and truly, and if you're doing it anyways, right, like, you know, doing with joy and enjoyment, and potentially, like you may not even need to eat as big a piece of cake if you're actually mm-hmm. celebrating it rather than just like, you know, almost that I need to get it all in because tomorrow I'm going to be good again or whatever. You know, <laughs> right, that looks right, like right. People, right. That it's like allowed and it's OK. And and I'm, I love that you're doing this deep mindset work around um, weight release and our relationship mm-hmm. to our bodies, because that you know, that is just totally what it's all about. And, you know, you said something um, earlier in our conversation that, that I'd love to circle back to, which was around the, you know, the, the parts of us that kind of like pushed us and shame us and all of that, like those parts can be very effective, right? Like they can, they can succeed in making us get the straight A's or maybe they'll succeed for a period of time and having us, you know, lose the 10 pounds or whatever, whatever we think that the, the ideal is. Um, but it is always through those negative, they're pushing us through those negative emotions, right? Just like, uh, you know, a nagging or a critical parent and, you know, but, but you mentioned the joy. And so what's, what's really the huge shift is when we we shift from being driven by those pushing shaming critical parts of us and switch to being pulled you know by that kind of true core beautiful self um that's inside of us and pulled by you know the joy pulled by the dream you yeah. know if that is like wow you know i i really have a dream that i'm going to be you know, healthy and like be here with my kids or be able to go run around the playground or, um, you know, or, or whatever somebody's dream is that is so important to them at their core, you know, then, I mean, then it's, it's making those, um, those choices from a place of love rather than shame. (laughs) That is a hundred percent. it. Cause in life, like we're either pursuing pleasure or we're avoiding pain. Like those are the two modes, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, if you look in the wild and in complex human relationships, and I think a lot of weight loss, like since, you know, in this (laughs) vertical now, um, a lot of things in weight loss are very much that avoiding pain, right? Because we are not happy, like you said, like all the negative emotions of how we see our bodies and what we don't want. And so it's very much 
doing everything possible to reduce that pain. Whereas what, where I come from is that I, I tell the women, let's find what the actual joy you're pursuing is. And we do it for that reason. Right. So it's just yeah. a very interesting, it's almost like a 180, like a shift in what is your motivating force? Because yeah. I think the pursuit of joy is very internal motivating, whereas the avoidance of pain, it takes so much external pushing you up that mountain <laughs> accountability yeah. and, you know, um, and I would go with self-empowerment anytime, right? Like if you can have emotional, you know, governance inside of you, as opposed to having to rely on all these external things like food or alcohol or whatever to, you know, numb you so that you can face your fears. <laughs> Oh gosh. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole nother thing is all of right. those other, um, things we use to, to avoid pain and IFS, we call those the firefighters. So you have uh, <laughs> the, the manager parts protecting us by trying to like do all the, like do all the planning and all the things right to prevent the pain. And, you know, our perfectionist is one of those. And then we have the firefighting parts that when the managers fail and the, the pain or the fear or whatever happens, then yes. Okay. Then it's the, you know, the numbing through all those things that you yeah, that's such a good visual. I actually love that visual. And it's very true, right? But I think that also relates back to the guilt and shame, because let's, as an example, use a glass of wine that I know a lot of women that mm -hmm. work with me is one of their go tos to relax at the end of a long day. You know, for some, there's going to be some guilt and some shame of doing that, right? Because they yeah, know yeah. that that whatever, like doesn't fit in their diet plan, or it's not healthy for them, whatever they, you know, understand it to be. Uh, and it kind of goes back to that whole concept, right, of really working on the internal world so that we're not as reliant of all those external forms of coping or yeah. um, getting us to self-regulate, right? Well, right. And then, I mean, that just causes a shame spiral because like you said, then there's the guilt about the glass of wine or the cookie or the, you know, or the whatever it is. And so then that manager part is still back over on your other shoulder, the perfectionist that, you know, then piling the shame on and, and then you you eat the other cookie or have the other glass of wine. So we, we call that a polarization in IFS when these parts are like, you know, mm -hmm have the different strategies and they're, they're, um, you know, not working together. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. And yeah, we don't want to be in that spiral. And for somebody that is on that spiral, like specifically, like just keep with the, you know, drinking glass of wine later <laughs> and I like, what is like a good starting point for them to, I like to think of that as like, almost like this tangled ball of yarn, right? Like how do we start to, you know, pull some of the strings out so that we can actually untangle our mess and understand emotionally what's going on so that we can um and even if you want to wave in like what how you work and how those things work but what are some strategies or steps that somebody would take to start getting like clarity on that piece okay so well i mean the from the ifs model that that i follow um of parts work like in terms of working with a practitioner, either a coach or therapist that practices IFS, um, you know, I mean, we would work with a client to really help um, help get those parts into into a dialogue and really put them in dialogue with like that core self. Because mm -hmm. ultimately, in this model, the goal is that you know that that core true self of you becomes the leader of your system. That's why it's mm -hmm. called internal family systems. And uh, like all these parts of you are sort of these feuding family members, right? I'm sure we can all yeah. relate growing Love up. It. People have different take on different <laughs> roles, right? Um, and so, you know, it's not a matter of like, 
pushing those parts away or telling those parts they're bad or shaming them. It's a process of coming into relationship with them and understanding what their role is and actually appreciating that they are all trying to protect us and trying to prevent that pain. And, uh, and we can um, do deeper work of understanding the parts that, um, that in IFS we call exiles that are kind of the inner children <laughs> inside of us or the inner child that, mm-hmm. um, that, it, that kind of is holding that pain from, from maybe something, you know, things that happened a long time ago. And we can, when we can heal that, um, you know, then, then those parts don't have to take on those extreme roles anymore. Yeah. So, so, I mean, that's an example of like deeper work to do with, um, you know, with a, a trained coach or a certified coach or therapist, but certainly doing it on your own. I mean, I think like we were talking about before, it's having that kind of mindful awareness, you know, of, of identifying the urge, you know, being able to, you know, at the point that you're having the urge to have the cookie or have the glass of wine or do whatever the thing is that you, that you understand to be, you know, kind of a coping mechanism, um, learning to just identify that trigger before it happens, you know, or for people, you know, with emotional eating, of course, this is a huge thing. I know this is a treatment path that many people use is, um, yeah, learning to learning to tune in before it happens to the fact that it's happening and, uh, and becoming mindful of what's going on inside and why those parts are reaching for that thing. And then being able to make a choice if there is a healthier way to manage that emotion, you know, maybe it's going for a walk or reading a book or, you know, um, other things that would put you more in a self energy that's going to nourish you and fill you up and create more joy rather than something that in the longer run is going to cause, you know, more health issues or more pain or shame. Yeah, beautifully said. That's amazing. And I love like how you explain, you know, the uh, like parts work and all that good <laughs> stuff. Like, so good. Um, for people wanting to learn more about everything you do, Liz, <laughs> what is the best way for them to find you online? Um, absolutely. So, uh, so my brand is unperfectionism. So, uh, my website is unperfectionism.com and I have a bunch of free things available, um, in, uh, in different categories of, you know, mindset. I also work with uh, female entrepreneurs specifically who are struggling with these issues around starting a business. So if you go to unperfectionism.com slash free, you can find all my free things. Um, I will be launching my own podcasts soon as well. Yay. So keep an eye out for that. <laughs> um, you can get on my list on my website to hear when that comes out and hear more about um, all this stuff. And then I'm on uh, Facebook and Instagram at Unperfectionism. That's amazing. And I'll make sure I'll put all the no- the links in the show notes as well. So people can quickly find it and go grab some of those freebies as well. Um, <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. Like this was such an incredible conversation. I think I was very pre-excited before we started because as you could easily tell, like it really, really, it really speaks to me and, you know, a lot of my growth as well. So I was very personally interested in our topic, but um, I love how clearly you explain things. And, you know, I think there's going to be such a valuable episode and I really love the perspective that you bring to the table. Yes. So thank well, you. 
Thank you for having me, Juliana. It's such a pleasure to talk to somebody else who, you know, who's a champion of the mindset work because that really <laughs> is, that really is the key. And uh, all the things that you were talking about, I'm like, oh yeah, well, she doesn't know it, but that fits into all of these models. Like she just figured <laughs> it out on her own. <laughs> oh, that's Very so cool. good. Mindset yeah. is the missing key. I always say this, no matter what you're trying to achieve, you know, yes. that is, that is a real big door that once people commit to going through, everything else becomes easier, <laughs> no matter what the goal is that you're trying to achieve. I think we have so much power in our minds, but we're also such a roadblock to ourselves, right? So, you yeah. know, becoming friends again with ourselves and learning how to work with the mind as opposed to against it, I think has been um, the number one obsession of my life. <laughs> <laughs> for like studying and working I'm just so fascinated by it like it's something that I'm just very interested in so yeah so, so this true. is perfect you you can know the how all day long and most perfectionists will you know spend all day long figuring out the how but if you are stuck in your mindset about it it's not you know it, it's yeah. not gonna happen so it is it's it's always the key <laughs> love it that was such a good closing <laughs> oh Thank you again, Liz. Uh, it was a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for listening to Confidence From Within. If you enjoyed this episode, take a screenshot and tag me on Instagram at naturally.joyous and I will be sure to tag you back. I would also love for you to leave us a review on iTunes so you can help us support our show. Stay healthy and happy, and until next time. <laughs>